Good morning to you and welcome to Friday on the Captain's Run for the next three hours. Would love to get your thoughts and get you involved in the show. As always, it is your show. The number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Sad day in a way as well. What a what a legend Meredith Gibbs is. She's finishing up today. We're going to get her on and have a chat. The best in the business and has made a huge contribution to um, all our shows, really, for us in South Australia. She does her own specific news bulletin and she goes right around the country. So looking forward to speaking to Gibbsy this morning on what is a sad day. Sam Landsberger from the Herald Sun. He's got the latest on the cricket situation and in particular, Will Pukowski being overlooked. He broke that story from the Herald Sun. And we'll get his thoughts on all the latest sporting news from around the globe. Bonta Hill, we're going to go to the US and speak about the unbelievable form of Steph Curry as the NBA Finals near closer. Our usual segments, over and under, Bulldogs Premiership star Clay Smith on the rivalry between the Giants and the Bulldogs. They hate each other. We'll get the latest from Clay on why that is the case. And anything else you want to talk about on this fine Friday morning, April the 23rd. Let's get into the show like we always do with this. I didn't want to go here. I didn't. I, I hadn't planned on speaking about Carlton again, but I think it's the story of the week for me, and it's been another really rough week for Blues fans. Your team... Blues fans has been viciously questioned, and rightly so. They've deserved it. They've deserved every bit of it. And despite the subpar performances, coach David Teague has surprisingly remained optimistic. Now, bizarrely, as we spoke about on the Sunday footy show over the weekend and footy classified, he highlighted the winning inside 50 count after the putrid loss against Port Adelaide on Saturday night. And this time last week, I was critical of Teague's comments on Gary and Tim, where he in particular, admitted that the team might not win against Port Adelaide, but that doesn't matter, provided they play the right way. Unfortunately, the Blues did neither. Now, most concerningly for Teague was the news this week that Carlton have hired West Coast Premiership coach John Worsfold to be his mentor. It's round six. The Blues are sitting 11th on the ladder at two and three. The coach is under pressure, and now, suddenly, he has a mentor. I think the timing fatigue's horrible. It's impossible not to look back on these comments from Carlton Football Director Chris Judd on Footy Classified in 2019. Yeah, I think I think we've said that publicly. We want a, an experienced coach that can take us to the next level. We, we don't want someone with training wheels on. Mm. Now, the club, of course, was putting a positive spin on the appointment. We've been in discussions with John for some time, given his existing relationships with David, so it's terrific to now have... This finalised and it's another step forward in our commitment to bring success to Carlton. David and John have maintained their connection since their initial time in Perth and as part of David's personal development, John will observe a couple of games this year in a mentoring capacity. We're really pleased to be able to formalise this mentorship to benefit the entire coaching staff. That was Brad Lloyd from the Blues. Now, the extent of Walsfold's role and how many hours he'll work remains unknown, although Carlton say he will consult by being in regular contact with the coaching group. Walsfold returned to Perth after his contract at Essendon ran out last year. My experience would tell me that these relationships don't often work. For Walsfold, it's going to be almost impossible to be across the ins and outs of the club, as well as building meaningful relationships with all the coaches on a part-time basis from 2,700 kilometres away in Perth. 
and it's not dissimilar to my queries over how influential Paul Ruse will be at North Melbourne in a similar role. Furthermore, Blues fans could rightly question if the valuable money being invested in Warsfold would be better off being spent in the development department, considering how some of its young players have stagnated. On the eve of round six, this appointment unquestionably puts more pressure on David Teague. Chris Judd's comments must be ringing in the ears of every Carlton fan right now. one 736 736 or you can send us a temper text 0433 98 11 16 and get involved. Let's open up the phone lines. You can have your say. Am I being harsh on Carlton again? Did you query the appointment at round six and the timing of it? Is it an admission that they're struggling um, with David Teague and the way that he's coaching the side? Or is it a good and wise appointment? I'd be interested in your thoughts. Let's open up the lines. We'll start in Essendon and speak to Karen. Karen, what's your thoughts? Welcome. Hey, Karen. Um yeah, look, I'm a Melbourne supporter, but listening to David Teague, God, that reminds me of Goodwin last year and probably the year before. In what uh, way? The same thing. Oh, inside 50s. Mm. Uh, he never looked passionate enough for me. That's why uh, most Melbourne supporters um, we were just really upset with uh, the way he would come after me, be smashed, and he'd go, oh, but we got more inside 50s. Mm. Very, very similar. And then Melbourne appointed Mark Williams this year. But he's there full-time. Best appointment ever. And also, I think Adam, Adam Uze has come back to the club. So they've got the people around him. I think it's a good idea what they're doing at Carlton, but they really need someone there full-time. I think Worsfold's still in WA or yep. wherever he's living. Um, I do think it's a good idea, and I think you know he's only a young guy and a, a young coach um, putting a positive spin on everything, which Goodwin did as well. Um, and it's funny now, with us winning, I sort of don't even worry too much about what Gilvin says. I know mm. that might sound bad, mm. but I think it's a good appointment. Uh, give him a bit more time um, and hopefully Worsfold can give him a hand. Good on you, Karen. Karen likes it. Um, uh, John Worst, sorry, David Teague reminding her of Simon Goodwin last year where he's almost appeared out of answers a lot of the times of what was going on at the Melbourne Footy Club. Well, they've turned it around on the back of what Karen says is Mark Williams and Adam Uze. Tough to do it, I reckon, though, as you alluded to from 2,500 kilometres away in Perth. Jono's in St Kilda. What's your thoughts, Jono? Kane, hope you're well, mate. I've spoken to you a few times about um, our footy club, and I could not agree with you anymore. Like, I've got a few points here to get off my chest, but it's quite clearly the training wheels are still on. Um, Like, I'm sure... You listen to his press conferences pre-game and after match. It's like they're like it's they're all scripted. It sounds like they're just completely scripted. Um, now the, the doozy is that this the pre-game press conference before Brisbane. He goes, now it's not about competing; it's about winning. Whereas last week he said we don't have to win; it's about the way we play. Now talk about mis- mixed messaging on that front, right? I don't. Yep. I'm, I'm I'm bamboozled by that. Like I don't know which way we're going. Um, watching them against Port, there's no system, there's no strategy. You see Richmond, there's four or five. As Mark McClure said, there's six around the ball. We've got one. Like, it's there's no teamwork there. Um, and we're, we're still trying to work out what our way is. Like, you keep every week, pre-game and after-game, he goes, we need to find... We, we, our, our best is good enough. 
but we need to play our way. Now, mm. what the hell is our way? And I think the crowd numbers at last Saturday night, perfect night at the G, only 32,000 showed up for a club that supposedly got 80,000 members. I think I think um, that's, that's saying something in itself. What do you think? Good on you, John. Over those comments you are alluding to, I haven't heard them yet in, in relation to the Brisbane game, but I've got them up on my screen here. So let's have a listen to what David Teague said ahead of tomorrow's game against Brisbane. I think we've made a lot of progress. I think we're, we're playing a better brand of football. I thought particularly last year we were really consistent we'll in every game and it's probably our frustrations. And again, I think it's our frustrations at the moment. You can see our fans are feeling it. They're frustrated. I think our players are feeling and are frustrated that we, we haven't gone on to winning those next games. But I think we've got a team and a, and a game style that can compete against the best and we've got to stop competing and start winning and that's, that's the next step for us. Mm, I'm not sure the progress. So two and three in 11th. It's been around the place you've finished for the last eight years. Um, but uh, he, he just appears out of answers. I mean, they've got to do a scheduled amount of media appearances. I don't think he actually knows what the issue is. But it is frustrating, if I was a Carlton fan, to continually hear the positive spin on it. I want a bit of aggro. I want a bit of passion. I want a bit of aggression. I want him to tell us that this isn't acceptable with where the footy club is at. Perhaps that's what John Warsfold may come in and do. Let's get to Anton, who wants to speak about this as well. Your thoughts, Anton? Hey, Kane. How you going, mate? Good, buddy. That previous fellow, he, he spoke pretty much spot on, but most coaches, when they find themselves in David Teague's position at press conferences, they're all spin doctors. Can you tell me one who's ever come out and spoken the truth of the, of, of the position that his club finds itself in at the moment? Well, I so, heard Brett Ratton say the performance against Essendon was embarrassing. I, I heard him last week say that they're at risk of falling off a cliff. I interviewed Brendan Lade yesterday, who is the midfield coach at St Kilda. He said, look, I'm usually a positive person, but this week I absolutely put it on our midfield. I said, He said, I didn't play one positive clip. All the clips I showed was of players walking out of stoppage and not giving effort. It was almost the point where the players knew that their name was going to come up on the screen and they're all sort of shrinking. He said there was nothing positive. He said, I put it on Brad Hill to increase his running. I'd love a bit of that out of Carlton. I would, I would love for someone out of Carlton to say, I put it on the players this week. No, 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 not, not that I'm seeing improvement. Not that we won the inside fifties. Not that we've got a game style that stacks up. Not that we were close last year. Put it on the players because it's not good enough. That's what I want to see, Jono. I mean, Anton. Well, sorry. Do you, do you believe? Do you believe that uh, Wush's appointment is late? I, I, we all believe as supporters, and especially the fellows that I'm around with, that he should have had a mentor from the beginning, not now. So, is it too late to? Is it too late to get the mentor p- uh, person in position? I don't believe it isn't. I believe it's a great. It's a great decision. Well, well overdue. He should have had one from the start. You can tell he's out of his depth. Sometimes he shows that he's out of his depth. And, and if there's any decision that Carlton to make right now to its members, was that. Okay. Anton's happy with it. Uh, Wush, a good move, needs a, needs a mentor. Is it the right one and is it the right structure? And would the money, I mean, money's tough to come in your soft cap. It's been you know, slashed by $3 million. Would that money be better spent in development? Because the other frustration of Carlton fans is the lack of development coming through from some of the high draft picks. You can have your say on that. George is on the line. He wants to switch gears and speak about Hawthorne. Hi, George. G'day, Kane. How are you, buddy? Good? Very well, mate. Kane, I'm way behind, I'm way behind you. Uh, I'm absolutely uh, horrified with Hawthorne at the moment. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I reckon Hawthorne's in the worst state um, than Carlton. 
Uh, wow. I personally was sitting there last Sunday watching the game. I just don't understand the, the, the um, selection table, what they did last week. And second of all, uh, I was sitting uh, two rows in front of Jeff Ken. I had a little quick whisper with him next as I was leaving halfway through that last quarter. And uh, I basically said, it's time. He's got to move on, uh, Clarkson. And I basically said to him, we need Blake Carousella. Where's Carousella at? We need him at the club. He's the only one. There's a little pattern happening. He was at Collingwood, premierships. He was at Geelong, premierships. He was at Richmond, premierships. It's no-brainer. Hawthorne's got to go for Blake Carousella as far as I'm concerned. Not, not Sam Mitchell? Mitchell's not ready yet, though, Kane. I saw it's only first game last week um, from the VFL. I don't mm. think Mitchell... I don't, I don't believe his succession plan. I don't think he's ready yet. I really think Blake Carousella... Uh, should take on board, and I think Sam Mitchell just uh, be in the background with him. That's what I personally think. Good on you, George. My my Twitter timeline is just lit up from Hawthorne fans. So I said um, during the week, not not for the first time, that. Yeah, Hawthorne are at risk of being the next North Melbourne when you look at, uh, I said they've got the least amount of talent in the under-25s in the competition and the fact that Clarko is such a good coach and the players, with all credit to them, they turn up and they have a crack, meaning that they're in most games that they play, but I think that's almost doing them more harm than good. They just need to get as many draft picks in. We saw this writing on the wall you know, for the last three or four years probably and now it's, I think, starting to really burn their 17th with a percentage of 73, and they played three 21-year-olds on the weekend, as opposed to a lot of the other developing teams playing a lot more. Dale's in Hobart. Uh, Gold Coast are also battling. Dale, you got a thought on them? Yeah, good day, Kane. How you going? Love your work, mate. Um, just a conversation around the Gold Coast, and I guess the Tasmanian bit. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a Tasmanian, I'm a Hawthorne supporter, but I just can't believe that we're still talking about trying to get Tasmania into, into the AFL. And we've got a side like the Gold Coast that has very little following, very little relevance, in my opinion, to the AFL game. And then here we've got Tasmania that's got a huge history of AFL football for over 100 years. Why don't they just rip that bloody licence out of the Gold Coast and send it to Tassie? Like, I just, I'd love to know what your opinion is, but for me, it's just, it's just common sense. The Gold Coast are never, ever going to prosper. What do you think? Tony Cochran is, is listening this morning, Dale. I don't know if he is, but let's pretend he is. He's just driven off the road in his Ferrari because he, we've had him on the show and he, he continually points to the growth of the game in Queensland on the back of that. I think the AFL is too far down the path. Andrew Demetrio, we actually put a request in for Andrew Demetrio to come on the show this morning. I think that may have been unsuccessful. Not sure if I've offended him in the past or whether he's just too busy, but he was the architect behind it. I, I can't see the AFL after all the millions they've invested in it, turning their back on Gold Coast right now. But they are definitely an irrelevant football club at the moment, unfortunately. Prabs is in Canberra. The Dogs tonight. Prabs, you excited about this one? Yeah, man, going to the game. Uh, I have to say I'm a big fan of yours, mate. I necessarily don't agree with everything you say, but I like your pitch because you say most contradicting uh, things, but by being non-confrontational. Thanks, mate. Uh, the Paddy Dangerfield uh, suspension or predicting Adelaide would be the worst Adelaide team ever you saw, those sort of things, but, uh, but I still like the way you pitch it. Okay, thank you. What's your thoughts on the dogs? You got a view tonight? Are you pretty happy with how they're yeah, going? Yeah, uh, 
yep, I watched uh, GWS Footscray last night and uh, oh, yeah, so even our bench strength looks solid and mm-hmm. uh, and I want to know your thoughts how deep dogs will go this season. <sighs> They're the best team in it for me right now um, and I think the depth that you speak of, like the Pinsky's not playing, Wallace is not playing, they make a number of changes this week, get Daniel back, so... I, the dogs at Marvel are the scariest team in the competition, I reckon, um, for me. So early days, but they are the best team in it right now, um, I reckon, Prabs. But thank you for your call and the kind words. We'll get to Mark in Brighton, who wants to speak about the Blues. Hi, Mark. Hi, Kane. There's only one thing I want to see as a Carlton supporter, mate. That's selection lawlessness to start moving some of these guys. Well, take out me of through it, side. Mark. I, I, so this has been on our radar for a while. G- give me your ideal selection when the teams are announced. What this afternoon, tonight? Who's in and who's out? If you're the coach. Well, I just want to. You know, Teague's talked about you know a body of work. You know, I continue to see guys get reselected when they've just been dropped for a week and they come back. I'm far happier seeing them get done by 15 goals and seeing guys like Parks and uh, Cottrell and others who give a fair income effort. I mean, I think the Warsaw thing's just a bail. I think it's just buying time with the membership. I think the next thing they'll be offering us is a wellness package with Beyond Blue and instructions on how to make daisy chains to really give give the players some you know positive feedback so that they're not upset. I mean... We don't drop players. We don't drag them from the field and dress them down. I'd love to see them on the sidelines, giving heat to SBS and some of these blokes. They just look like they're running around, trying to make an effort, trying to get to the mark, never do anything. I mean, mate, he should be called the seagull. around 10 yards. He looks lost in the back line. Can't wait to release it. It just looks like he wants to off his... He just wants to release and say, I'm off for the walk now. I think I think your observation is harsh but fair. Um, and have they been treated too nicely? And has there not been ramifications for poor performance um, because they've tried to keep these young, talented players happy the whole time? And is David Teague too friendly with his players? Is the relationship with his players is he is he too friendly with them? And is there not that line there that you get with? some of the harder uh, edge coaches. Granted, it's early on in his career, and he may develop that, but I haven't seen that just yet. We're up and running on the captain's run. We've got Ange, Riley, Jono, Mark and Brad all lining up to have their say, as you can too, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty to get through this morning, plenty to talk about. We'd love your thoughts. Get involved. It's 21 minutes past nine. 26 minutes past 9 o'clock. Heaps of texts coming through. Apologies, haven't got to those yet, but we will because we've got a lot of people lining up wanting to have their say on the phones. Which is better? One of those is Ange. You're a blue bagger, Ange. G'day, Kane. I sure am, mate. How are you? Good. That's it. I've got a couple of questions for you, but if you just give me yes or no answers. We've lost three games this year. We've lost to Richmond and Port Adelaide. Did you expect Carlton to beat those two sides? Uh, I tipped them in both games, so yes. Okay, fair enough. But I, I reckon but, but, the majority. But, but I get, I get your point. The majority wouldn't have picked them. Yep. You're right. Okay. Now, would you agree with me that Collingwood, with we lost to Collingwood, would you agree that with um, Elliot and Degowie up and firing what they did that night, they're a hard side to stop. That was a horrible loss. That was, that was a that was a horrible loss. That's the one that really hurts. I think you should have been expected to win that one. It's not too bad. But with the going and Elliot up and firing, they're a hard team to lose. To, well, they're, um, one, they're, one and, they're one and four, Collingwood. 
And the goal he's been there for most games, uh, Jamie Elliott's a solid player. He's not, he's not Dustin Martin. Sure. But I understand. I, I reckon you understand what I'm trying to say. So, are you ha- are you, you're, so you're happy. T- tell me, you're happy with where no, the club I'm sits. Not I'm, not, I'm not happy. What I'm, another question for you. Is that since David T took over uh, Brennan Bolton, has the club improved or not? Yes or no, please, Kane? Um, yes. Thank you. Also, all good sides have got match winners. Apart from Cameron, uh, sorry, um, Charlie Curnow and Jack Martin, who are out at the moment, does Carlton have any match winners in their side? At the moment, well, apart from Cal- any bets, it's getting on a bit. Well, Carlton fans shot me down when I said Sam Walsh wasn't a match winner, so they would probably think that he is, and, and Patrick Cripps gets paid like one, so he should be. But that, No, they don't have match winners. The other question I have for you is, when the volcano erupts, does it cause a stir? Yes. Some, sometimes. Yeah, it does. So, right, you draw all those dots together, and I reckon that you just love giving it to Carlton for some reason. I'm not too sure why. But well, mate, the, the, reason, the reason why is because... Your club, by your own admission, through the CEO, Kane Little, and I'm happy to pull out the quotes, and I'm happy to pull out the, the quotes of the president and everything, saying that time is now, and you don't go and spend massive money on Sard and Williams if you don't think you're ready now, and you've delivered a, a situation where you get smashed by Collingwood, who it's the only game they've won. You're playing at home against the Port Adelaide side without two of their best players. They lose Houston, they lose Hartlett halfway through the game, and it was a putrid performance. So... I'm not sure you can defend the performance of Carlton now. Um, and I get frustrated because it's been 20 years. And as to, to steal Jared Waitley's line, it's been the most painful rebuild in the history of the AFL. If you're happy with that, mate, you can continue to be happy with it. But I expected more from Carlton. I've tipped them in four out of the five games. I thought they would be much better. I thought they'd play finals. And I haven't seen anything that would suggest that they would. Um, sorry, that went on for a little bit longer. So I'll just keep you there, Riley, Jono, Brad, Sam, and Dano. We've got to get to the 9.30 news headlines with Meredith Gibbs. Your Gibbsy, we'll speak to you shortly. So you just hold there. Um, big game of footy tonight as well. Looking forward to hearing what Melbourne fans think about this and who is the team under the most pressure this week. In a, in a funny kind of way, it, it probably is Melbourne ahead of tonight's game just to see how serious they really can be up against the red-hot Richmond who were unbelievable last week. These fans, how are you feeling? Let us know. Riley is in Darwin. Carlton's on your radar as well. Riley, your thoughts? Thanks for holding. Yeah, mate, I'm a, a little bit more realistic than the last caller. But um, my main issue is I hear it talked about with Teague a lot is but his assistant coaches never get questioned. My understanding is they're Bolton's assistant coaches and they're also guys that have been there predating Bolton. I mean, John Bark is one that gets brought up. He's been in every role in the footy club and been there over 10 years. I can't think of any other assistant coach that's been at a club for 10 years and isn't a senior coach. Um, the other thing I have is that we, um, with these playing guys out of position, like there just seems to be a complete disconnect with the coach and the playing group on game day. Um, it's all good to be positive and that in the media, but game day, you've got to understand the emotion of the game. You can't just look at stats and data and say oh yeah, we were on top or we're down or what, because you, you, you got no you got no heart in the game. I'd love to see him go down to the bench, engage with the players coming on and off the ground, get a feel for what's actually happening in quarters, because we're quite good for five minutes or ten minutes in quarters, but then we're really bad for five or ten minutes, and it's often off the back of a missed goal. 
Um, so get pegged down there. Let one of the other guys worry about the data and the stats and count inside 50s and engage with the playing group. I'll, the worst fault, I think, is because it's not ideal, he's in WA, I think it actually comes from Teak and he's saying, I want one of my guys in there. For whatever reason, he hasn't been able to get anyone in there that's his guys. And I see this as him going, he's a guy I trust, he's a guy that I can send messages through to the assistant coaches who's a premiership coach and they're going to have to listen. And they're going to listen. Good spin on it. Good spin on it, Riley. Maybe Teague finally got a guy that he wanted. Uh, The assistant coaches, Johnny Barkey, you mentioned Cam Bruce, Dale Amos, Brent Stanton, Luke Powers, head of development, and Daniel O'Keefe is a um, development coach. I I must admit, I don't know a lot about a couple of their coaching credentials. Appreciate your thoughts. Uh, Brad wants to speak about Alistair Clarkson. Uh, How do you see the uh, coaching guru, Brad? Yeah, thanks, Kane. Um, yeah, oh, look, I think it's all been a little bit overdone, to be honest. I think um, Clarkson's record speaks for itself. I think that buys a bit of time and a bit of faith from, uh, you know, the footy world and particularly the supporters. And, uh, you know, when you've had success like he has and you've topped up along the way, there is going to be a period where you have to bottom out or go through the draft and trade and those sorts of things. And, you know, you can definitely go the route of, say, Geelong and prop a team up. Uh, They've been doing that for a few years. They've gone all in with Cameron, Dangerfield. And let's be honest, if they don't win one in the next couple of years, people will look back and think that was a waste of time. So you've got to admire the performance and back the bloke. I think he's Mm. the right coach. He's proven he can do it. And he's likely to do it again. And if he does, he'll go down potentially as the greatest coach of all time. So Yeah, I think back- what you say, I'd be comfortable to back him in provided he understands where they're at and provided he wants to go about it by getting some talent in the doors and not going for a Hardigan, a Frost, a Patton, a Scully, and the list goes on. I think that's proven not to be the way um, a Mitchell O'Meara and the list goes on. Uh, I think I said Melbourne played tonight. Of course, they play tomorrow night against uh, Richmond and the game tonight is GWS versus the Dogs. My my radar got all thrown out because of no Thursday night footy. Had to hire a movie last night. The Dry with Eric Bannett, not bad. Not 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 bad, actually. Wouldn't often hire a movie, but I was that bored. Nothing on TV, no footy, which is interesting in itself that I hired the Eric Banner movie. Pretty good. Give us your review on that one if you've seen it. Um, let's get back to the phones because they are very busy this morning. Sam's on the line, um, and he's not happy with a particular defender, Sam. Hi, Kato. How are you going? Good, thank you. That's good. That's good, mate. I think the best thing you've ever said was, I think, against um, after the Collingwood game, you said that was the worst half of football you've ever seen from a defender in Lockie Plowman. was up there. I just can't get my head around. How the hell does he keep getting a game? Every time he gets beaten, he looks around behind him. He wants help from other defenders. Mm. How about defend your own man? When is this guy going to get dropped? I've had enough. He's absolutely nowhere. I can't handle it. I don't understand how he plays every single week and finishes in the top five in our best and fairest. That's the problem with Carlton. It's head, it's a head-scratcher for me. It is. Guy, uh, you, you don't have opinions like that with you know without having you know sort of something behind it. So I went back and watched the first half of that game against Collingwood really closely. I, I think he had seven kicked on him. It may have been eight. 
Um, and since then, he's held his spot. He seems to be really comfortable where he's at. He's you know laughing with Brody Grundy after the game, and there's just not that desperation. But that's across the board from their defence. I, I think you know Jacob Weidering is the one that you can probably hang your hat on to to know that he's going to give you a really consistent performance every week. Other than that, even Doherty's form has has dropped off significantly. Um, Petrovsky Seaton's not a defender. I can't um, for the life of me work out why they keep persisting with him back there and uh, Liam Jones you know has a couple of good weeks and a really poor week and struggles for consistency as well so yeah the defense is a, a real issue for me I, I think you're pretty fair with that summation there Sam Adano who's in South Yarra one of the hottest players in the competition hey, Shane, how you doing hello mate you want to speak about uh, the young Melbourne Bull yeah look Kane first of all I just want to say first time long time I'm a big fan of yours uh, because welcome mate I think I think more than anything, it's you, you cut through the noise and you see the truth. And I just want to ask you this question. You had a long and illustrious career. How did you feel when you turned 30? Like, how was your body doing? How Do you feel like you're at your best then? Um, I felt pretty good. My body was fine, just mentally, just mentally fried. Just woke up game day, didn't want to go, had that sick feeling in my stomach. I'm not sure what it was, so... Body was fine. I reckon, you know, if I wasn't so slow, I could still play now. But just mentally, um, shot, Dano. Why do you ask? For it, you still got the rig for it. I'm sure you. I'm sure you could work <laughs> on that speed. But my point, my point was going to be, we've got Dusty. He's what two months away from turning thirty. He's played 250 games. He's been at the top of the league for the last four or five years. How much longer can he persist? How much longer can he persist there? You know, we always think about these about these things, and we think. And we look at the last week and we think that that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year and onwards. And I'm just going to say, look, I reckon what we're seeing at the moment is we're seeing a changing of the guard. You know, we're going to see this on Saturday night. We're going to see Petrarca versus Dusty. And I reckon what we're going to see at the end of the year is we're going to see Petrarca's going to overtake him and he's going to be the best player in the league. You know, when he's got all those other players around him, you know, Gorn tapping it to him, Oliver around, Viney, all of the, all of the system around Melbourne, it's going to help. Petrarca get to where Dusty was five years ago. And I think just Dusty is probably as great as he is, as much of a legend as he is. He can't do it forever. No one can do it forever. And as they say, father time beats no man, is, is undefeated. And I just think what we're going to see is we're going to see Petrarca showing that he's, uh, he's right up there as the best. Changing of the guard, says Dano. Is Petrarca going to take over from Dusty? Uh, Bont is pushing hard as well um, with where he's at, absolutely the peak of his powers. I think David Mundy and Travis Boke may disagree with your thought there, but I think on the whole you're right. It does get tougher after you get to 30. Uh, Josh is in Caulfield. Carlton, mate, your thoughts on them? Yeah, yeah, g'day, Kane. Um, I, yeah, just wanted to weigh in on the uh, Wooshar, um coming to coming over to Carlton on that, on that issue. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just really confused by it because... Um, with all respect to Usher, who's you know won a premiership, was a great coach at West Coast. I just don't understand what his role will be, because if it's game plan and mentoring a game plan, I know it's just been a few games of um, riding the Essendon, but I don't really like what he's if he's sort of mentored him to build that game plan. That's not one that I think that Carlton should take on. And if it's player development, then he's been a little bit hit and miss at Essendon with guys like Ridley and McGrath coming on nicely, but others like Parrish and maybe Langford, you know, not coming on in the same way. So I'm just a bit confused 
So am, I, so am I, Josh, and Gary and Tim spoke about it this morning, and in particular I was interested in, in Tim's thoughts because he's watched Essendon closer than most when John Walsfield was there. I have to say, if David Teague is bringing John Walsfield in to get help with their game plan or whatever, I didn't see anything in the time that he was at Essendon where it demonstrated that they had settled on a particular style of playing that was going to be sustainable and successful. Mm. Backing up exactly your point. So what is his role to come in and how much will he be there? How many contact hours will he have from the club? Will it be in person? Will it be on Skype? When I was at Port and Matthew Primes took over, they completely hung him out to dry with the lack of uh, resources that they had around him. We had... Dean Laley, who was our midfield coach, he was here one day a week and often the midfield meetings, as we're reviewing the game, were on Skype. And I can tell you the players did not buy into it. They didn't want a, they didn't want a bar of it. They didn't want a guy who was, you know, full-time but part-time living in Melbourne, trying to coach us over Skype. And this was before coronavirus when, you know, Zoom wasn't even a thing. So it didn't work. I've had tackling consultants who sort of fly in for a day, half a day here and there. Doesn't work. If you're not there fully invested in the club, my experience would tell me that it just does not work. We'll get to Michael, Rob, Reese, Steve and Paul. Stick around, guys. We'll get to you very, very shortly. We are here for Temper, a mattress like no other. You're listening to the Captain's Run Through until 12 o'clock. Uh, welcome in and thanks for holding if you're trying to get on to have your say. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Good reviews coming through for The Dry with Eric Banner on Twitter, which um, the AFL forced me into hiring last night because there was, no there was no footy on the TV. Michael's on the line. David Teague has been dominating the first hour of the show. Michael, have you got a view? Yeah, so, Kane, clearly we made an error in appointing him as a coach um, because you don't appoint a coach only to go down a year down the track and appoint a mentor. Um, so they've made an error. But the question, Kane, is that um, at that time there was, you know, Brad Scott, Michael Voss, mm. there was a couple with experience floating around. Now, though, we're in the situation we can't go back. How do you go, What other option do they have going forward? Because I don't see any other coaches sitting out there in the wings that would be um, that would necessarily be a good fit with the experience, apart from say a Michael Voss. But everyone seems to be you're going down the same path again, whether it's a Sam Mitchell or whatever it is. What what options are there, Kane? Well, that is that is a further question, Michael. Um, I think he's you know, got a reasonably steady contract, David Teague, although they don't mean much with the new clauses in these contracts. You, do you go to you know, Ross Lyon's name is mentioned, Alistair Clarkson's name uh, comes up, and that has come up through, I think Caroline Wilson said there's a connection there on Footy Classified. Would a Nathan Buckley, um, would that satisfy Carlton fans? Is there is that someone who you would explore after 10 years at Collingwood, out of contract, fresh start at the Blues for Nathan Buckley? Look, and then there's some really experienced ones that have, have done the David Teague, but been around for perhaps a little bit longer, like an Adam Kingsley and these types, Sam Mitchell. Um, I don't know the answer to that, because often we don't know how successful they're going to be until they get in the job. Uh, if it was me... And I was looking to move on, not saying that that time has come for David Teague. I'd be going for experience. You know, I'd be going for a Nathan Buckley, a Ross Lyon, someone who has done the job before, Michael Voss, and would be second, a better second time around. Blues fans, your thoughts on Michael's comments. Have they appointed the wrong guy? And who's the best candidate if the pressure does continue to build on David Teague? Rob's on the line. Um, you want to speak about the caller we had 
previous, his name was Angelo, and he put a positive spin on the Carlton situation. How do you feel? Yeah, it's, I don't know if Angelo is listening, but pretty much he was just making excuses and giving a cop-out to the club. I went last game against Port. It's the way we're playing. That's the worry. Mm. It's not mm. the who's in, who's out, who the other team's had in or out. That's irrelevant. It's just the way we're playing. I'm sick of Casbolt missing goals that he should kick. Cripps' kicking's really terrible. Our skills are terrible. It just doesn't seem there's a system. You can see other teams playing, and it appears to be that there is some sort of system, and you can see where they're going. Ours is like they're sort of making it up as they go along. They can't move the ball is the, is the really difficult part for them. I mean, the opposition, it's too easy for them to win a clearance, get it deep inside 50. Yeah, Carlton may have the extra back there and win the ball, but there's no threat that they're going to be able to move the ball from one end to the other. So if they're not dominating the clearances and dominating field, possession, field uh, position and give them themselves opportunities that way, there's nothing out of their transition and their backline movement, and that is in part your point, their school level has been atrocious and certainly was on the weekend. That's why David Teague saying we won the inside 50s is completely irrelevant because I watched all of them. I watched all the inside 50s and not many of them uh, had the opposition under any sort of pressure. But who knows? Uh, be, beware, and we'll get to it in over and under, beware of the teams this week that have been smashed all week. So beware of Carlton, beware of St Kilda. Because often footy players are pretty proud and they can get themselves up for a big performance on the back of getting smashed. Is it sustainable will be the question that Blues fans will be asking. Uh, Reese is on the line. Uh, what did you think of the appointment, Reese? Yeah, um, yeah. thanks, Kane. I, I think it's actually a good appointment. You, you think about the coaching cuts that have happened because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Then you look at who Carlton's coaches actually are. You've got no one of AFL experience in there other than Teague with his 15 games. You look at Melbourne, who's got something like 400, 500 games of coaching with between Goodwin, Mark Williams and Alan Richardson. I don't see the massive issue that some some of the people in the media are pointing out about bringing in Warsfold on what sounds from the Carlton email that I received was is just like a part-time to help challenge... Um, the coaches. I don't think he's going to be game day, you know, in the execution. I hope not because I don't really rate Warsfold's game plan. But in terms of that that amount of experience, it, it can only do well, in my opinion. Okay. Reese likes it. I, I question the timing and whether it adds pressure on David Teague now. And is it an admission that, you know, he does need help? Well, I think that is the case. And also the part-time nature of it and how influential you can be from Perth in a part-time basis. We'll wait and see. Steve wants to also continue the Carlton conversation. Hi, Steve. Hello, how are you going? Good, mate. Uh, so, I don't understand how, across the board, supporters, commentators can have the same view of Petrescu, Seaton, out of position, how's Plowman getting game, all these sorts of players, but the coaches... I mean, inside the club, it just continues to happen. So, I mean, you've been involved at the highest level. So what, what happens in a club that they just don't make these changes? Why, why does it continue to happen? Yeah, well, they, see, they see potential. They see high draft pick. They see investment. I mean, each individual circumstance is different. They see, you know, players not banging down the door beneath them. Um, there's pressure to win. So they think the more experienced lineup is in favour of a younger one. There's all these things that go into it. Steve, got to take a quick breather. We'll get to Paul, Andrew, John and Jared on the back of this. 
on SEN, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, we'll take your calls right through until 12 o'clock if you haven't had your chance to get on. We'll quickly get to Paul in Ringwood before the 10 o'clock news. Hi, Paul. Yeah, good morning, Payne. Look, um, I don't think Carlton's problems have got anything at all to do with the coaches. It's their recruitment policy. We haven't really done any serious recruiting since 1986. You know, everyone raves about the 95 grand final team, but if you look at it, we had eight players, senior players from other teams who all had a heads-up approach to football. They were Justin Madden, Glenn Madden, Greg Williams, Earl Spalding, Brad Pierce, Dean Rice, Matthew Hogg and Matthew Clappe. Now, all those players knew how to play football from the shoulders up. The yeah, too many, too many athletes, you reckon, Paul, maybe is is what you're trying to say. Pure footballers that you've just mentioned. Well, the recruiting is a topic that we're going to speak to Sam Landsberger about. He's done a full-on investigation into the Carlton Footy Club. Look forward to getting him on. And we'll get to Andrew, John, Jared Rees and Nick shortly. With Kane Corns. Busy first hour. Good morning to you if you're just tuning in to us. It's three minutes past 10 o'clock. Very shortly, Sam Landsberger from the Herald Sun. He's done a, a pretty impressive piece on Carlton and in particular had a really deep dive into their selection. We'll get him up in a moment's time. Just want to get to a couple of your text messages. Hamish says, not sure it's fair fatigue to cop all the blame. Carlton's list management has been poor for the better part of a decade. Plenty of high draft picks with little to no, nothing to show for it. Even Paul Ruse couldn't turn Melbourne into a finals contending team overnight, but he fixed up the list and development and got them into a reasonable position to go forward. Uh, I think that's fair. Hamish, morning Kane. It's very hard for coaches to be hard on young players because of the risk that they will lose them. Just ask Mark Neild. And why have Carlton waited the best part of two and a half years to get Teague a mentor? It's just uh, another Carlton Band-Aid effort and basically an admission that once again they've given the job to the wrong bloke, says Ben. Thank you for those. Apologies if you haven't been able to read um, the hundreds of those out. But let's get to our next guest because, as I said, um, I'm interested in his piece in the Herald Sun on Carlton and in particular their selection. Sam Sam Landsberger is his name. Sammy, thanks for your time. Anytime, Kane. How are you? Bit of research into this one that you've put into it. Uh, I'll quote you uh, in in part. You've said Carlton have dropped seven players since round 13 last season. Where does that rank against some of the other clubs, particularly non-finals bound clubs? Uh, I think in, in, in the number, it ranks pretty similarly, but where the names uh, come into it, they're, they're sort of in their own category. I mean, you look at some of the other clubs which have dropped superstar players, Mitch Wallace, Jason Johannesson, Daniel Rioli, uh, Nathan Broad, Stephen Cornelio, the Giants captain, was left out late last year. And in that same time period, the only Carlton players that have been unforced changes have been, I think, Josh Honey, Matthew Cottrell, Matthew Owies, Lockie O'Brien, Tom Williamson and Will Setterfield. So it's just a different class of player. And the other sort of uh, point to make with those kids are a lot of them were, were dropped after making their AFL debut or playing their second game. So there's just a bit of a lack of continuity. So it's not to suggest that selection is the only problem at Carlton, but you do just wonder with some of these kids, um, you know, w- would they be better served by getting a decent crack at it so that 
not only coaches, but supporters can also get a real read on are they any good or not? And, and are these kids actually going to take the club forward or not? Because I just think there's so many question marks around a lot of the umpires on, on this list still. Mm. I agree with you. Um, I, I think it's spot on. I, I don't know if they can play, and we don't know, but the reason for that is because they haven't been given the opportunities to play. And it's not just about the games as well, I think, Sammy. I think it's about the positions that they're playing. Like, a lot of them come in and, and go to the footballer's graveyard across half forward and they're not getting the midfield minutes. Whereas I know you've looked at the likes of sort of Mark Murphy and Betts and Kerno and Nunes, McGovern and Plowman. They, they never get dropped, these guys. No, they seem to be immune. I mean, history certainly says that they are immune from selection. That's that's just fact. That's just what's happened over the past 12 or 18 months. But, I mean, like Lockie O'Brien was the really interesting one for me. Number 10 draft pick. Looked like he was really coming on in 2019. Played 17, I think, of the last 20 games. So really cemented his uh, his spot on the wing. And then the club signs Jack Nunes as a delisted free agent. And we've seen O'Brien just twice since because Nunes has basically taken that spot on the wing. So he's one that, you know, might be a little bit frustrated. Um, Carlton fans might want to see a little bit more of him. And then I think like Will Setterfield's year this year, I mean, just no continuity again. He was played out of position in round two on the wing. Um, when he's, you know, he looks to be an inside midfielder. Round three, he misses with gastro. Round four, he comes back. And then round five, he drops. So, um, it's just hard to, to really get a run at it when you're sort of in and out like that and, and not playing where you're, you're probably set up to, to play your best footy. Selection is going to be interesting uh, this week. Unfortunately, it's annoying the teams don't come out Thursday afternoon. They will tonight. Uh, Liam Stock is the one to keep an eye on. Yeah, he used 38 disposals last week in the VFL. Interestingly, he didn't play in the midfield. He's actually used quite a lot of cross-half back, and I think he trained yesterday with the defenders as well. So it looks like they might be trying to reprogram him a little bit. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the question is, will he come in for one week or two weeks, or, or will he get a decent crack at it if he does you know, get the call-up? So I think him and David Cunningham are probably two to watch, maybe set the field as well. But, I mean, it could just be more of the same. If, if, if it's just a cycle of kids going in and replacing Placing other kids, you wonder if it'll ever really turn. But I mean, in fairness, football clubs always know more than, than they certainly let out to us. But that that seemed to be the pattern so far. What did you make of the appointment of John Warsfold? Uh, I, I like it. It'd be interesting to see how much of the soft cap he's chewing up. Uh, yeah. I think that's sort of one question from outside, which was raised pretty quickly. But look, I, I think if you look at that coaching box, it seems like a good appointment. I mean, there's not a whole lot of experience there around David Teague. I know Chris Judd obviously made that famous training wheels comment mm. a couple of years ago when Tiki took over as caretaking coach. But, I mean, yeah, I think in the coaches' box, they've got Cameron Bruce and Brent Stanton and Dale Amos. So I think they'll all benefit from, from having a wiser head around. Um, uh, the, the timing is interesting as well, though. I mean, I think he'll, he'll be in there. He'll be in the box on Saturday evening. Um, and then they've got the Bombers next week, who, sh- who wishes should go inside out. So, uh, yeah, look, uh, another cal- another calming voice, but... Um, I think it's probably more up to the players. Hey, mate, let's uh, shift gears to cricket because I know you've been all over the contract situation, which I don't believe have dropped. The talk they were going to be dropped yesterday, that's been put on hold sometime today. But you broke the story about Will Pekofsky being overlooked, which was a shock to many. Um, The reaction to this? Yeah, really interesting. You're certainly right. Cricket Australia was due to release their contract list yesterday. It hasn't come. There's been a bit of a hold-up. We're still waiting for 
this morning, but the information certainly is that they're going to cut the list size from 20 to 17, which is pretty remarkable, mm. um, and that Will won't make the cut. So I think they basically decided to pay on performance rather than potential. Um, you know, we all know what a, what, a, what a star Will looks like he's going to become, but he probably just hasn't had the continuity this summer. Um, you know, he had that, that big concussion which knocked him around for the first half of the summer, then he had shoulder surgery. So I think they just wanted to get his body right before they start paying him professionally. So, um, but it certainly did take a lot of people by surprise that, um, that he's expected to be left off that list. And going from 20 to 17 as well, I mean, Australia had a pretty terrible summer. They lost the border Gavica series at home to a pretty undermanned Indian team. Um, and three players have come off the list, which is the first time I can really remember that happening. I think Cricket Australia has to contract at least 17 players um, and they're going to go with the, the, the minimum this year. And that should land sometime today. Mm, making the hard calls, perhaps doing what David Teague should be doing. I don't know, Sammy. And Matthew Wade's the other one, uh, being passed up, vice-captain at one stage. Uh, he's going to be overlooked as well. Yeah, obviously, Captain Australia against India in the T20. Only in December was vice-captain in that New Zealand series not too long ago. And um, you would think he's pretty firmly in the place for uh, for this year's World Cup in India as well. So... Uh, despite that, he's been left out. He, he was obviously left out of the, the test squad, though, for that series, which didn't go ahead against South Africa. So that's a sign that uh, maybe he is sort of, um, you know, firmly out of the equation for this year's Ashes and therefore um, not deserving of a contract. We know that they rank their players from, um, I guess, most important mm. or highest paid to, to least. It has been Pat Cummins for at least last season. Will that be where it lands again this year? And who's in competition to be the highest paid player? Yeah, I think it will be Pat Cummins ranked number one again. So he'll take home probably north of $2 million under their sort of their, their, their ranking system. I think Marnus Labuschagne is going to go north uh, with a bit of a bullet again. Mm. Um, and then you've, you've sort of always got the, the, the three format players towards the top, Steve Smith, David Warner, um, you know, the, the bowlers as well. So the, the, they'll be the, the sort of the first five or six, but certainly expect Pat Cummins to be number one again. And he's over in the IPL at the moment, making about three million bucks for for six weeks' work as well. So not bad if you can get it. Handy, but that does present an issue for Australia. You know, Scott Morrison speaking yesterday about capping flights from India because of the situation over there. We've got a number of our star players over there. It may be tricky to get them back. It, it very much so. I think more pressing as well is the future of the IPL. I mean, can we get this whole tournament away given what's mm. going on in India? So from a cricket point of view, that's probably where the players are thinking first and foremost. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not totally across how the, the travel plans to get back home, but I'm sure Cricket Australia is working very closely with the franchise bosses over there and, um, and government officials as well to make sure they can secure safe passage. That was basically... Um, why the South Africa series fell over because Australia wasn't guaranteed that they could get their players home safely. So mm. um, I'm sure they're working very hard to, to, to make sure that all the Aussies over there don't get stuck there. Good on you, mate. Thanks to your time this morning. Anytime, Kane. All the best. Thank you. Sam Landsberger from the Herald Sun. He's written a pretty interesting piece on the selection uh, at Carlton and I guess the loyalty of selection and some of the players who... I think need a good crack at it, but haven't been given that. Now, uh, part of the blame can go on those players for not grasping that opportunity when it's been given, but I think part of it can be on the club as well for not presenting enough opportunities for us to see whether they can play or not. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number you can have your say on any of that. Andrew's been waiting patiently for us. What would you make of the Warsfold appointment, Andrew? 
Oh, look, I've, I've been enjoying it. Look, I, I can listen to you all day, Gondi, uh, um, and also the program in relation to Carlton. Um, it's been fascinating. Look, I think uh, my view on Walsall is that he, he's the wrong choice. It's a panic choice. Um, I just want to make a couple of points, if I could. It, it, mm-hmm. uh, there's a number of assistant... It, it, talk about there's not enough experience in assistant coaches at Carlton and all the rest of it. There was a number of senior assistant coaches given the flick last year, okay, they were, you know, because of the um, the budget issues and all the rest of it. Um, there could have been a couple of quality coaches put on, on Carlton's roster. They didn't go for them. Number That's number one. Walsall only won one premiership at his tender at... Um, at, at uh, West Coast, who had a fantastic era of good teams, and he only won one premiership. He didn't deliver at Essendon. Now, people can say, well, the upheavals and all the rest of it, but his game plan stunk, and he didn't give young players a go either. You know, he, and, and it's, it's basically... It's, Carmen is scared to give young blokes a go, and, and unless they start giving their young players a go, they'll never get anywhere. And one other point. 1986, someone raised 1986 and how great their, their recruitment's there. Well, there's no more brown paper bags. There's no more money in pro, brown paper bags to give to Carlton players to get the best players there. Don't they get them to... fired up, Andrew. Don't get them fired up. I, I can't take any more texts, any more calls. I'll get really upset if we go there. I appreciate your thoughts, mate. News out of Melbourne just breaking right now. Christian... Christian. Salem has signed on until the end of 2026. Five-year contract extension for Salem at Melbourne. They are going about signing up their players just nicely. Um, I wouldn't have gone five years, but uh, I am one of the biggest uh, opposition to long-term contracts, perhaps, in the history of the AFL. Um, so they need to re-sign Petraka now, says uh, Benny, my producer, a big Melbourne fan. He's got another year, doesn't he, after this? Relax. He'll be okay. Uh, going to be going to be costly. Uh, let's go to Adelaide and speak to Johnny. Uh, Yago Mira, mate, your thoughts? G'day, Johnny. Get back to Johnny shortly. Jared wants to speak about the Collingwood Football Club. Hi, Jared. Yeah, g'day, Kane, mate. I'm uh, I'm actually a Western Bulldogs supporter, but I was um, yakking to a, a mate just you know over text today. I reckon, I reckon clubs sometimes need to look outside the square and bring in, bring in um, people outside the club. Like I look at the dogs, you know, Bevo is a hardcore. Well, he wasn't hardcore, but he was, you know, a St Kilda man. We've got uh, Ash Hansen there, West Coast Eagles. We've got uh, Stephen King, who's our ruck coach. But I think sometimes. Clubs get a bit too romantic with, you know, how they're looking. You know, with mm. uh, you know, bringing players in, bringing players out. What do you What do you think, Kane? Because I reckon, you know, other than 2018, I know 2018 was, you know, hard. We I think we were eight and 14, but oh, I just think sometimes, you know, you've got to get an outside look and and have have people come in that, you know, can sort of get you know, brutal and say, no, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Not, 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 I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, anyone's no good, but just think outside the square. What, yeah, what I know you what reckon? you're saying. I, I know what you're saying. Go to, go to other, 
other clubs, pluck people that have had experience in, in other environments and don't get uh, romantic with your appointments. Um, I look at my club, Port Adelaide, there's, there's probably three or four former well, premiership players from the club coaching at the moment. It's working fine for them. So Montgomery, Schofield, my brother's there. Dean Brogan was there for a period of time. It's working okay for them. But then you get the outside um, ones coming in as well. Just thinking out loud as well for Carlton fans, you know, without you know, prematurely ending David Teague's career as coach because he's, he's a young coach and I think there's some attributes there that could see him in the game for a long time. But Justin Lepich would be another name as well when, when we had the caller come up and ask about who would be a viable candidate. Uh, I think, you know, the work Lepper's done in the media and having a break and refreshing and the experience of Richmond having coached in his own right would be would be quite appealing as well if he wanted to go down that path. Uh, Steve's on the line. You want to speak about the Saints, Steve? Thanks, Kane. Love your show. Uh, I'm a bit frustrated to kill the supporter like most of us are at the moment. Really, we've been belted three times. Even the Melbourne game, we copped the hiding Melbourne kick straight. We should have lost by a lot more. And I just don't know where we're heading with our youth. We've only got two players in the reserves that are adequate, sort of Burns and Connolly. And Burns played one game. Connolly hasn't played. And I looked at the Western Bulls blogs last night, and they've got a, a plethora of talent, which we don't. And I really feel for our list. Yeah, so uh, Simon Lethlane on Gary and Tim this morning, I wasn't listening at the time, but I saw the social media comments coming through and he pointed to the, the youth that finished in their best and fairest last year and the fact that their age has been a bit skewed at the moment and they're not too concerned about it. Yeah, it's amazing what a, what 12 months can do, but I'm concerned as well. I think their ball use is horrible. Um, St Kilda's ball use is the biggest issue and, and even bigger is for whatever reason the players aren't giving the effort that's required early on in the season so I don't I don't know what's happened there in terms of the mental aptitude from some of their players which is giving them the results in part I mean, when they when they try and when they're on I think they can beat anyone but they'll probably try on Saturday on Sunday night against Port Adelaide because it's Anzac Day it's a special occasion they've been smashed all week the players the coaches have put it on the players so they'll try Sunday night, but will they try for the rest of the season? They're a response team at the moment, the Saints, unfortunately. Uh, Robbie wants to speak about Sam Landsberger's summary of Carlton. What did you think of it, Robbie? Yeah, hi, Kane. Um, look, it's not very enlightening. Um, it's kind of all the stuff that we know already. Um, and you just look at the, the list of draft picks that we've had or that we've, we've imported um, Sam Petrevsky, Seaton, Paddy Dow, Lockie O'Brien, Will Setterfield was a high dra- another high draft pick. Um, David Cunningham was a 20s draft pick. Why haven't these players come on? Why aren't they? Why haven't they cemented their spots um, in our team? It's just this rotating door of in and out, a lack mm. of consistency. It, I do agree totally with the one thing. I do feel sorry for poor old Lockie in that we drafted. Um, Jack Nunes, thank God at least for that one three medal game we did. Um, and he hasn't had a look in since. So I can imagine that, you know, um, people are talking about Patrick Cripps leaving. I'm actually worried about some of these young draft picks. And I'll tell you what, if we don't pick up our game, we're going to have one Sam Walsh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question him if he left, um, if things don't improve. So I, I want to know why we've got these massive amount of picks that aren't coming on. Yeah, is it have you picked the wrong guys or is it the de- development of the club? Is the age-old debate? Now, who who knows? It's probably a mixture of both. The, the one I'd be concerned about is Cripps. I mean, we've been told 
I remember doing it in trade radio and speaking to the club and Brad Lloyd and they said, well, just waiting for the settlement of the salary cap to be settled and then wouldn't think there'd be an issue with Patrick Cripps. He's as invested as ever. This was back in uh, before Christmas and now we're at round six and there's starting to be whispers about Patrick Cripps. So he'd be the one I'd be worried about and you wouldn't blame him, would you, with uh, the lack of success that he has had at his age and looking for perhaps a shot at a premiership. That would be the one I'd be most concerned about. 21 minutes past 10 o'clock, we'll get back to your calls. Jump on the phone. There's lines available right now, 1300 736 736 if you want to have your say. Jane Corns. Oh, it's a sad day. She's the best in the business and she's been very good to us. She's leaving. Meredith Gibbs is our famous newsreader. Gibbsy, um, congratulations on your stint. How are you feeling this morning? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, look, I'm a little bit uh, anxious because this is what I've done for the past 13 mm. years of my life and I love it. I'm really passionate about news and, and delivering it. And, uh, yes, I'm a little bit anxious, uh, but I'm also a little bit relieved that I don't have to wake up to a 4 a.m. alarm any mm. longer. And I know you feel me when I say that because it's not pleasant. And, yeah, the relief this morning, actually, when the alarm went off and I thought this is for the last time. It's going to be good on Monday when that happens. Um, what about the year, though, Gibbsy? Like, did it take its toll with... I mean, it was like nothing you've ever seen covering news and the depressing nature of it in Melbourne, waking up to that day after day. Did that take its toll? Yeah, the pandemic uh, and, and, and covering COVID-19 is nothing that I've ever covered. I've never covered a story for that long, I think, in especially every single day. And my whole bulletins were COVID and it was all death and destruction pretty mm. much. And, mm. you know, I remember seeing the first stories filtering out from Wuhan. I think it was like end of December. And I didn't think that much of it. And then it just sort of exploded last year. And those things, I think, do take a toll. And I'm one of these people that I look at these giant numbers, these 800 you know, 800 people die in Italy and things like that. And I, I'm going to be honest, like, I, I look at that and I see people. I don't just see a number and I see mm. people and I think of their families. And so, yeah, it does tend to take an, uh, a toll. And also, you know, I just, I love the news as well because you can bring so many different types of stories to the, you know, to people. And I found particularly last year, you know, normally I like to end on a funny story, um, you know, like the mm. big bird getting their yes. costume back in Adelaide or, you know, just, you know, just fun stories. I like to, you know, put a pun or two in there. And last year it just wasn't. It was just all death and destruction and just really bad news. And, you know, no one wants to hear it, let alone be the one that's sort of, tr you know, passing it along. And, yeah, so that did uh, also take a little bit of a toll. So, yeah, but can, can I just say, I have absolutely loved working with you and the SENSA crew um, with Alicia and Hazy and Mango the cat, um, for those <laughs> who are listening in Adelaide, but also on the captain's run as well um, with Johnny Tam and Ben Lyon, who's your producer. It's been so lovely. And um, I have to admit, when we first met, I went in because I'm a West Coast Eagles supporter and I thought to myself, Kane <laughs> Corns, not that yeah. bloke. He always used to rip <laughs> us apart. And I just, I came in thinking you were going to, I'm not going to lie, a bit of a jerk. But I was, <laughs> you were so lovely. And I think that a lot of people don't realise just how supportive and just lovely and welcoming you are and respectful as well. So I'm going to burst, I'm going to give everyone a little bit of breaking news here. Kane Corns, not a jerk, really lovely guy. Don't, bl don't blow my cover, please, Gibbs. 
<laughs> not blah. No, but right back at you. Honestly, you care. You put the extra work in. Your workload has been uh, enormous. So take a break. Put the feet up. Hopefully, this isn't the last time um, we have you on the station. I'm sure it's not. But congratulations. Enjoy well earned break. And thanks for everything you've done. Thanks, Kane. And you'll hear from me again. I'm planning to send a few mean tweets off just for fun. Perfect. <laughs> good. Good. Just to keep you involved. So from that, um, uh, congratulations to everyone on Meredith's time here. It's been unbelievable. It's her last morning with us this morning. We are going to go to her with the 10.30 News headlines for one of the last times, and then we'll get to Grant, Rod, George, Brock, Angelo and Frank. That was our legendary newsreader, Meredith Gibbs, on her last day. Let's go to her now. Three, bang! Steph Curry does it again! Curry magic working here in Philadelphia. Curry behind the back. Drives, pulls back, puts up a three. Bang! Nine three-pointers make it now. Yeah, Bang is right because he may have been quiet yesterday, but one of the hottest streaks we've ever seen in the history of the NBA saw Steph Curry have 11 straight games of 30 points or more, including 49, and he's just been deadly, as always, from three. To tell us all about it is host of the Morning Roast, 9.57, and the Golden State Warriors pre-post host on NBC Sports, Bonta Hill, good friend of the show. Bonta, thanks for your time. Anytime, man. It's been way too long since I've been down under, if you know what I mean. And uh, who better to talk about than Steph Curry right now, the hottest player on the planet? Where where did this come from? I mean, when I say that, we, we know <laughs> he's one of the best ever. But it was a bit of a slow start to the season for Steph and his Warriors. I think that's fair. And then all of a sudden, he just put the hammer down and he, he just got hot. You know, he had the bruised tailbone, right? And so he missed about five games. He bruises yeah. it in Houston. Like it's a team that's a borderline G League team. And it's the end of the third quarter. He bruises a tailbone. He misses so much time. And the season was starting to go awry. I mean, they had lost some tough games, and he wasn't part of it. And next thing you know, he comes back against the Chicago Bulls a few Mondays ago, and he scores 32. But we didn't think that he was going to survive the week. He took a couple charges that game. He fell on his, he fell on his tailbone. And he got up gingerly. He was grimacing. And I said, oh, boy, he's not going to finish out this season. He's really banged up. And the guys I worked with, Hall of Famer Chris Mullen, NBA Chad Durrell Wright, a former Golden State Warrior, ever saying, man, playing with the tailbone injury is the worst. You can't sleep. You can't sit. You can't sit on the plane. You can't drive. You can't do anything. And as you know, that was the start of a historic streak where he scores 11 uh, have 11 straight games of 30 points or more as a 33-year-old surpassing Kobe Bryant, surpassing Michael Jordan. It really came out of nowhere, and the points just kept going up. I mean, Kane, it was 32, 36, 37, 47, 49. I mean, it was just ridiculous. 53 against the Denver Nuggets, and he surpassed Will Chamberlain to become the all-time leading scorer in Warriors history. He had 48 through three quarters in that game. I mean, 21 in the first quarter, it's just like, what is going on? And he's doing it knowing that he's the focal point of the offense. He's playing with Kevon Looney and Draymond Green, two guys who don't really like to shoot the ball. So what he's done over the last 11 games to get the Warriors back into it and get them heading towards the playoff spot, it's just it's truly, truly remarkable. And I've run out of superlatives to describe this man. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, it's 12 years in, okay? And I'm still <laughs> wild and I'm awed and I'm standing up in front of the television because what he's doing, I've never seen done on a basketball court. Uh, you, you summed it up pretty well, mate. Better than better than I could have. So it, it 
It makes me ask. They're, they're ninth in the West, the Warriors, but there doesn't appear to be an obvious MVP candidate because all the big ones have missed time. Um, you know, Embiid's missed time. Yeah. Others have missed time. LeBron's missed time. Could he win the MVP? You know, he's going to have, you know, he had to conquer last night against Washington. He goes seven for 25, two for 14. He actually looked human. He looked human, and he had 18 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. He would have to continue to score at will. And, look, he surpassed Bradley Bill to be the leading scorer in the NBA right now at 31.1 points per game. Bradley Bill's at an even 31. It's going to be really hard for him to win the MVP because Nikola Jokic is getting a lot of runs. Denver is a top four team in the Western Conference. And Jokic is averaging nearly a triple-double. And then you look in the East and Joel Embiid, yes, he this time, but he's on an absolute tear right now. And a lot of people thought Philadelphia was going to be like a five seed, maybe a six seed. And we had no idea they were going to keep that team together. You know, there's a lot of trade talks about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And Philadelphia has overachieved this season to become one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. And right now, they're in first place in the Eastern Conference. So, it's going to be really tough for Seth to win MVP. Heck, he even said so on Rex Chapman's podcast. He believes he's the best player in the league. He believes he's been playing the best basketball, but he believes it's going to be a long shot because of the narratives and just where those other teams are in the standings right now. Okay, well, that'll be an interesting one to watch as we near closer to the end of the season. What about some of the other NBA narratives? It's all been dominated by injury. I mean, we don't really know about the Nets because they can't get their big three on the park. Same with the Lakers. We're not really going to have a good indication of where everyone sits leading into the playoffs, are we? No, no. The regular season, to be honest with you, Stephen Curry saved the regular season (laughs) because the regular season has been sort of a dud. You know, no LeBron, no Anthony Davis. Kawhi Leonard sits out, it seems like, every other game. Paul George, same thing. Uh, You had injury issues with the Pelicans and Zion and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. You hit on the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, Kyrie, James Harden, and KD played, what, three, four, five games together? It's a joke, you know? And and they signed Blake Griffin and LaMarcus. Lawson's been hurt. So, you know, it's it's just, I guess it's a war of attrition. Who's going to be healthy in the playoffs? And, you know, Phoenix is a sneaky team. I don't think they have enough to maybe take the championship, but I think they'll be dangerous because they have two superstars. Utah, I'm still iffy on. But as long as the Lakers are healthy with LeBron James and AD. I still believe they're favorites, but I, it's just been tough to get a read on who could dominate in the playoffs because everybody's been hurt, like you said, or if they're not hurt, they're mm. getting benched for low management. And they had that excuse this year due to COVID-19 and the pandemic. So it's been a really odd and strange regular season. Hasn't been one of my favorites. And of course, if it wasn't for Steph Curry, I'm not sure we would have been entertained too much this regular season. Yeah. Bonta Hill talking all things the NBA with us, keeping a close eye on the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry. What about the Warriors for next year? We wouldn't think they'd make much of a dent in this year's playoffs, but Clay Thompson back, um, Wiseman perhaps better off for his first year in the in the league, albeit he's been injured as well. Do they need to make any other moves? Yeah, I, I think they need a couple more moves to solidify the bench. Uh, obviously, the unknown is whether or not Kelly Oubre Jr. will sign, re-sign with the Warriors, and He's been coming off the bench since he's been back with a sprained wrist injury. Uh, he played in two games. Instant energy against the Philadelphia 76ers. And last night against the Wizards, he had 24 points and nine rebounds off the bench, although he played 37 minutes. So that's the one that a lot of people are talking about with Kelly Uber Jr. He's willing to come off the bench for this team. 
They're going to work in Clay Thompson very, very slowly. I don't anticipate him playing at full tilt right away. I think he's going to get worked in maybe 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, and, and he may not play the first month of the season, depending on when the season starts. Now, James Wiseman is, is interesting because he's starting to play a lot better, and he had a decent rookie year. Bit of a roller coaster, no doubt, with the health and safety protocols, the sprain risk. But the torn meniscus, he's not going to be able to do things until September. And depending on when the season starts, he may not be ready to go at the start of the season. So how much will that uh, impact his development? Because the young man needs to get on the floor. He hasn't been on the floor much in the last two years. We already chronicled his three college games, uh, the, the minutes he had with the Golden State Warriors this year, everything about 20 minutes per game. Just a tough, tough situation because young players need to play and he didn't get to play much. So one one guy who is who is shining and looks like a keeper is Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's been playing really well to be a recall from the G League, averaging nearly 15 points per game. He's got a lot of confidence to his game. But the Warriors need another wing, another veteran, and they don't have the financial flexibility to do that. So they may have to pull off a trade. They may have to maybe try to swing a deal for Andrew Wiggins, but who will want to take on that contract? And, you know, it's not to disrespect Wiggins. He's been playing well as, uh, as of late as well since the All-Star break. So I, the Warriors are in a tough, tough situation here uh, next year. The owner don't want to go back into the luxury tax. That's going to be the big question here in the Bay Area in the offseason for the Golden State Warriors. Hey, mate, outstanding update. Love getting you on the show as we gear up to what's going to be a fascinating playoffs. Look forward to speaking to you then if we can and appreciate the love for Steph Curry. He's been unbelievable. Oh, he's been unbelievable. He's made our TV job so much easier, our radio job so much easier. I'm still in awe of him. I get, like, Bonds type of vibes. Like, when Barry Bonds went to have that, you didn't want to leave anywhere. You didn't want to put down – you didn't want to go to the restroom and go get a beer. You wanted to watch him back. When Steph Curry's on the floor – I don't even want to change my baby's diapers. I'm saying, hey, babe, we got to stay with the poopy diaper for a couple more minutes. You know, Steph Curry's on the floor, and he's on the television. So he's box office, he's entertaining, and he's been a treat to watch. So always fun talking to you, Kane, and everybody down there in Australia. You guys take care. Good on you, mate. What an outstanding, entertaining chat with Bonta Hill, our man, um, of all things NBA. Uh, just some breaking news. So I'll leave it to Meredith Gibbs in the 10 o'clock news. <laughs> Yeah, it's been really busy out there this morning. Thanks to everyone who has contributed to the show, like Grant in Viewbank. You want to have your say on Carlton. Welcome, Grant. Kane, let's get back on to Carlton. Mate, there's no club. But the problem starts with Carlton at the top. For years they've been telling us they know we're coming. We can smell what they've got cooking. We can smell it at the moment. No club <laughs> has had a better draft hand in the last 20 years in this mob, and they've botched it. They can't buy flags anymore. They're an irrelevant football club in the AFL right now. They have botched it, um, no doubt about that. It's been you know two or three rebuilds now, and it's been botched. And um, you know, they thought that they were ready, and that's why you get the eight hundred thousand contract for Williams. You get you know, a pretty pretty big one for Sard as well on five years. And at the moment, um, it's not coming to fruition. Now it's round five. Uh, things can be turned around, but it's going to take a mammoth effort. And nothing that we've seen so far has any clues that that is going to be the case. Good on you, Grant. Strong thoughts. Let's go to Rod, also on Carlton. Hi, Rod. Morning, Kane. How are you, mate? Good. Mate, I love your commentary on Carlton because I think it's pretty accurate. Um, I agree with a lot of the commentary on some of the older players. They do need to blood the younger players because there's no point drafting all these high draft picks if you're not going to give them a decent go. 
But what I'd like to say is that I think it's not as bad as what all us Carlton supporters are getting mostly involved. It's not as bad as we think it is. We were hoping to go high up the ladder and came, we're nowhere near that, mm. in my opinion, and probably yours as well. But I think what's, what's lacking is that last caller, I agree with part of what he said. The problem with Carlton is it stems from the top. We're sick of, we go week in, week out. I've done it for 45 years, Kane. I'm sick and tired of hearing the spin from the management of the footy club. I love the coach for God. I think he'll, he's a great addition. But you've got to surround somebody like David Teague with successful people, as you'd know. You need great mentors. Grab a, a Ross Lyon. Grab a Justin Lepich. Get some somebody with, that's got true vision and experience to improve this footy club. We have got the talent, but we're sick of their spin, mate. And the last thing I would like to make a point if there's anyone at the current footy club listening to this, Kane, I rang them the other day as a long-term member. They are having people walk out the gates at three-quarter time. I've been to every practice game, every game this year, and they are walking out the gates by the thousands at three-quarter time. Mm. That that says a lot to me, Kane. I don't know about what your thoughts are. Yeah, that's that's not always that's always a bad sign, isn't it? Uh, I, I caught the tram home. I was there on Saturday night with a few Carlton fans and just sort of eavesdropping on their conversations as they as you do on the tram on the way back to the footy. They're, they're unhappy, and and you wouldn't blame them for leaving at three quarter time on the back of some of the efforts. So um, that is a concern when crowds don't show up, and that will send alarm bells, as it has done for the last 20 years. Brock wants to talk about the other club that's probably the one under the most pressure with the Blues this week, and that's the Saints. Brock, your thoughts on them? Yeah, Kane. look, I've, as you know, I've been uh, jumped the gun early in the year and said we were, you know, had the best, best midfield. midfield and whatnot. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just listening into the other conversations about list management, we've brought in Ryder, Hanabry, Jones, Crouch, Brawley, and then guys like Mason Wood and Higgins and McKernan that couldn't get a game at their club. Either they're either C-graders or the wrong side of 30, and you got an old captain and you bought Hill in on big money, we're in trouble of being in the same position as Carlton in two years if we don't win a flag in the next two. And the way we've started this year, it looks like we're a long way off. So what are your thoughts on where the Saints will be in two years if all these uh, you know, B and C-graders and 30-year-olds are bought in? Don't, don't deliver a premiership in the next two years. Yeah, so Leth comments were interesting about the best and fairest results, and I, I hadn't, uh, he sort of alerted me to it. I hadn't looked at the age of where they all finished. It was pretty positive in terms of uh, the age bracket. But the recruiting will be questioned now. Uh, I mean, ha- Hanabry's one is a disaster, really. When you, when you give a guy five years on big money um, and he doesn't play, and when he already had injury history, like who's responsible for that one? You know, that's that's make or break probably in their position and their job for, for making the call on that one. Uh, the Brad Hill one is equally as disturbing. Uh, didn't finish in their top 10 in their best and fairest last year. Probably top three highest paid players in the game, Brad Hill, and, and delivering what he's delivering, and that's 10 possessions a game. So there's a real concern. The others, you didn't give up a lot. So the only saving grace for the Saints is that at the, you know, it's not as if you're handing out first round draft picks for Brad Crouch. He's a free agent, so you get him for nothing. Yes, you got to pay him, and he takes the spot of a young player, and he hurts your salary cap. But you didn't give up much to get him, and the others in that bracket, the same Butley, didn't give up much. Higgins didn't give up much. So that is the only saving grace for St Kilda and their list management. But it is a big 
two or three weeks for the Saints, absolutely, because they're not bringing effort, which is the most concerning thing. Frank's on the line. You want to speak about Carlton also, Frank? Yeah, g'day, Kano. How are you, mate? Good. Mate, just a couple of a couple of issues I have. Look, Carlton, it, it's not the kids. I mean, they've had that many first-round draft picks. They're just not getting um, a go. I mean, other than Lockie Brown, if you look at all the young kids that they recruited in the positions that they're meant to play, they excelled as youths. Petreski Seaton's not a backman. He can't defend. No, he can't. Our major issue right now, and if you look at it, and they praise them every week, people like um, Plowman turns it over. Jones, unbelievable intercept marker. Can, how many times he, he turns the ball over and we, and we cop goals out of it. You see this every week. The, the team that turned it around, look, I reckon Ken Hinckley was gone until he started playing the kids. They turned it around for Ken Hinckley. Mm. He's the perfect example. Butters, second year, he's in the midfield. He's in the guts. Rosie would have been the same. If he didn't get injured, he would have been the same. This is, this is the problem at Carlton. Dell is shot in confidence. A lot of our young kids are, and they probably never recover. Mm. I yeah, I think that you're right on Ken Inkley. Like, it's almost saved his career. Trade out Wingard, Pittard, Pollock. Get youth in and play them. They even, you know, this year, Bergman and Jones, even though they're at the top of the ladder, they continue to expose young players. to Carlton have those young players capable? Or is it? They do, but it's been a development issue. We'll get to Alex, Martin, John and Greg. We've got over and under. We've got a big quiz. Huge last hour coming up. Strap yourself in. You're with the captain's run on your home sport. If you're listening to us in Adelaide, it's 27 minutes to 11. The number, if you want to get involved in the last hour, is 1300 736 736. Or you can text us for temper, 0433981116, a mattress like no other. What a game it'll be tonight. What a rivalry it is building between the Western Bulldogs and the Giants. And a man who has experienced it, he's a premiership hero for the Western Bulldogs in 2016 with one of the great finals series is our next guest. Clay Smith is his name. Clay, thanks so much for your time. No worries, mate. Good to talk to you. We'll get to that shortly, but uh, what are you up to now? Um, at work at the moment. Um, working on the metro tunnel in the city. The exact station near the shrine. So we're flat out at the moment. Good man. Uh, some players um, struggle to adjust to life after playing footy. I mean, it's all, all you know. A lot of kids come from high school and go in the AFL system, they, they want to work out what's next and there's a void that struggles to be filled. Has that been the case for you or you've transitioned pretty well? Um, it was a tough transition. I, um, I battled a little bit when I finished just with, with doing nothing mm. and um, probably the devastation of retiring early and I sort of probably hit, hit the piss a bit too much and we sort of lost my way a little bit and I just lost that routine and, and structure in my life. So I, I sort of jumped into work pretty quick just to... Um, just to get something back in my life and a bit more balance. So um, it sort of helped me in a, in a big way. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty keen to get back into it pretty early. Yeah, when when your career is cruelly cut short, 24 years of age, when you played your last game, um, the knee injuries and, and the other injuries add up. Did you feel supported from the AFL and the AFL Players Association? Do they do enough for players in situations like you? Yeah, no, they were great. Um, and obviously I still, um, I still speak to a psychiatrist and psychologist and stuff, and that's all... Um, looked after through the the PA and stuff, so they're they're always very helpful and and um, yeah, they're on call a fair bit early on and found my feet and now enjoying life again, which is good. And started coaching and, and getting back involved with footy. Awesome. Where are you coaching? 
Uh, down at Williamstown Sea Wilds in the Vaffa. Yeah, nice. Did you? Was your body capable of? Uh, like how is it now? Could could you have played on, or was it just not worth the risk? Yeah. And, uh, do you have any yeah. lingering issues? Yeah, I can I can jog at best now. That's about it. I am. Uh, wow. I'll, ne- I'll never hit top pace again, and I don't think I'll be jumping or changing direction. I've got arthritis in it now, so um, I had another clean out in January, and that's number six on it, or the sixth surgery anyway. So uh, she's uh, she's done and dusted. Yeah, you've done a done a good job of it. So is that? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but is it is it sort of knee, uh, knee replacement sort of stuff? But yeah, yeah, looking looking well. that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hey, but... let's speak about a little bit about your career because there's some amazing highs. And I just touched on the 2016 final series um, and your form. You were the hero in that 2016 prelim final between these two clubs, the Giants and, and the Bulldogs. Was was that just the time of your life? I mean, did, how do you reflect on that? Probably the best four weeks of your life. Um, mm. Just for pure excitement and from where we come from and and playing that first final over in West Coast and getting a win and that just sort of kept rolling and there was a roller coaster that yeah, you didn't really want to end and yeah, it was awesome. That was yeah, the best. And the bond I guess you've got with those teammates. Um, you know, I think of the like the unsung heroes like yourself, but Liam Pickin, like his final he was you know, probably the f- player of it's that incredible. final series. Yeah. Is, is there that bond that you still stay in contact and you catch up regularly? Like what, what is that like? Yeah, we're st- I still keep in contact with a fair few of the boys. Um, catching up with Tommy Lynn pretty soon and said his little boy Oscar. And uh, I spoke to Picker a few times, but I think, they, um, I think Biggs is pretty keen on getting a five-year reunion, which, which will be this year. So um, I won't say no to that. <laughs> and you, you still watch the, the Dogs play. Obviously, they're playing yeah. pretty exciting footy yeah. now. They're the, they're the best team in it. You, you watch and still involved in, in keeping interest. Yeah, in I've... Loving it. It took me a little while, probably the year after. I, I still watched, but it, it was sort of hard to watch and, and sort of hurt a bit. But um, I've accepted that I won't play anymore, and, and I'm back in love with the game, and I'm loving the way the boys are playing this year. And, um, yeah, it's it's been good to watch. Clay Smith joins us on the captain's run. One of the great footy rivalries of recent times is the Giants and the Western Bulldogs. It probably started with him dominating that prelim final where he's best on ground, kicking four goals. I think they forgot you're a left footer on that night, mate. You continued to turn the side out. But was it the start of the, the rivalry, do you think? Was it born from that night? Oh, I think it probably started a fair bit earlier than that. Um, just because the age age group that we had when they first come into the club, a lot of the boys that we had sort of were in the same TAC years and same draft years. and So it sort of started from there. And it was the two young sides playing off and we went two greater teams and um, yeah, it's sort of built from there and it's always just gotten more and more competitive and it is, it is forming a fairly, fairly good rivalry. Yeah, it is. Hey, mate, you, uh, you mentioned in an um, interview with Mike Sheen about the feeling after that prelim final. Did you, did you describe it as feeling numb? Or is that yeah. accurate? And, and why was that the case? Yeah. Uh, that, so I lost one of my best mates um, that week. Um, he passed away in a car accident, so it was a pretty tough week for me. And um, yeah, so just getting through the game and then um, mm. and then winning, and then obviously getting the best on. And speaking to Lingy after it, I remember swear I swore on TV and I shit myself. And um, but it just yeah, it, like I didn't probably celebrate it as much as which was like I just just felt weird. I just sort of mm. sat in the rooms and. 
probably took a few days to sink in that we're going to be in a grand final, but it was yeah, probably more just looking back on the memories of, of Dale. Mm. And did you get a moment to enjoy the grand final week or did that sort of linger on until you played? Um, so I had to go back on the funeral on the uh, Wednesday back in Bairnsdale. So the club was actually really good. They flew me back in a chopper. So I wasn't travelling three and a half hours both ways in a car. Right. Um, and they were happy for me to stay back for a day. But um, I wanted to come back up for that afternoon's training session just so I could get my head back into footy. Um, yeah, so I flew down and, and spoke at that. And then, um, yeah, sort of come back up and then was able to turn my focus back onto footy. But I was I was very grateful to Bruce Gibbs at the club. Let me let me do that for my mate and and um, pay my respects and condolences. And then yeah, obviously to come back up and get back into the excitement of the grand final week. Mm. And the, the rest is history, I guess. It, it, it ended pretty quickly after 2016. You played the eight games in in 2017. Um, did it did it come as a shock, or did you always have doubts with your body that you know this day may come pretty quickly and and maybe unexpectedly? No, it was actually worst timing. I had the best off season of my life um, at the end of 2017. Bevo sort of put it on me a little bit and told me when I'm at my peak fitness and that that I'm in I'm in the side and in there pretty well. But when I'm sort of five percent off, I'd still be in the top GPS numbers. But it was just that little bit. So I went away and and got as fit as I'd been and, and won a fair few of the trials and stuff during the pre-season was flying in Torquay before Christmas and then we went up to Malulabar in January um, and hit the ground running again and then just tweaked it in a practice game up there and then they told me I'd be back in probably two or three weeks after a clean-out and mm. seven months later I never did a main training session again. And that was it. Uh, tough to start. Yeah. Hey, mate, before we let you go, Dogs fans want to know, is, is this team good enough to win it again and, and sort of repeat what was done in, in 2016 when you were there? I think they're a lot well better placed um, just with the boys that we had and the experience now and those sort of boys like Bont and Jacko and Tommy and, and those boys have got a lot more games and, and they're, they're really good leaders now and um, obviously we've got some tall targets up forward and, and Casey down back. I think it's a lot more well-balanced side so uh, they keep playing the footy they're playing. I definitely think they'll give it a nudge. Hey, mate, good on you. I, I do love getting the unsung heroes on that made such a massive impact um, in a short period, but on the biggest stage stood up and, and played amazing football. And, and you were one of those. The rivalry is, is excellent. Appreciate your time this morning and thanks for sharing and being so open and honest with us. Thank you very much, Gun. 1-300-736-736. Those unsung heroes. 20 minutes past 11 o'clock. We'll get to the quiz and over and under shortly, but we'll catch up with our Melbourne Rebels. You can watch your Melbourne Rebels on Nine Gem or Stan Sport. One of their big, big enforcers is our next guest, Trevor Hosea, joins us. Trevor, thanks for your time. Hey, Kane, thanks for having me. You're suspended, mate. What'd you do? Uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a rough clean out on uh, Nick White last weekend. So, um, yeah, cop too much ban and, um, yeah. Explain to me, who's not a student of the sport, what a rough clean-out means. Uh, so basically, um, I was coming in to clear um, players out of, a, out of a ruck, and um, Nick White and the Bumbies um, just happened to pop up, and I've just made contact with his head, so, um, yeah. And you're a big boy. When you hit, uh, they stay hit. 203 centimetres and uh, 115 kilos is what we've got you down at. Did you do any damage? Was he okay? Uh, yeah, he's all, he's all good now. Um, bit of um, bit of a rough up, but um, no, nah, he's all good now. 
Okay, mate. How, how are things at the Rebels? Bit of up and down this year? Yeah, everything's going good, mate. Um, I mean, we've had a few tough losses lately. Um, but the boys are in good spirits coming into the weekend against the Waratahs. So, um, yeah, we're looking to get that dub. And you are currently a member of the Rebels Emerging Leadership Group. Uh, is leadership something that you're interested in as you get older? Um, definitely. I mean, just um, being in the game for a while now, um, it's something I've been looking to do off-field and stuff, um, especially for the young fellas coming up in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, definitely a part of my game I want to improve on. Is it tough to keep keep the guys? Like in, in Melbourne, it's not a traditional um, rugby union sport. Is it tough to keep the guys together? Has that been an issue for the club or not? Um, I think in the early years, yes. Um, I mean, you can see now there's a lot of um, young fellas coming through the program now. We've had our under-18s come, um, under-18s get a big win over over the Brumbies in um, in Canberra last weekend. So um, no, there's, there's a lot of um, good players coming through, and uh, yeah, I guess the job for us is just to show them a way to come and keep going through the program. Now, Trev, they tell me you got a really close relationship with your family and your dad gets to every match or tries to get to every match and, and see you live. It's a pretty big sacrifice from the old man. Yeah, it's big from him. I mean, um, he's, he's caught tickets to the game this weekend, so he's flown over this morning. Uh, won't be able to play. He won't be able to see me. But um, no, he's a big supporter. He'll get over whenever he can. <laughs> and what about your other family members? You got brothers or sisters? Are they sporty as well? Uh, yeah, brothers and sisters. Um, my little brother, he's just coming up. He's deciding whether he wants to play basketball or rugby, but we'll leave that up to him. Uh, older <laughs> brother was um, was big in his rugby, um, came through the program as well, played 20s, and um, yeah, no, that family's pretty sporty. What would you advise the brother, because you're a big NBA fan as well? Uh, yeah, bit of, bit of a bit of an NBA fan. Um, yeah, I've been watching it late, lately, but um, no, nah, look, my, my brother, he, he can do whatever he wants. Um, no pressure on him. Um, yeah, up to him. Melbourne Rebels, Trevor Hosea joins us this morning. Um, in terms of where the season is at, and you in particular, you were selected in the Wallabies 40-man squad. With the Wallabies, what, what's the schedule look like? Do you have any idea when the next series will be with everything that's going on? Um, yeah, so there's, it's, I think it's all up in the air at the moment. Uh, we haven't got any word um, right now, but to be honest, right now I'm just focusing on, um, on Super Rugby at the moment. We've got the New Zealand competition coming up as well, so that'll be um, a big one for, uh, for me coming through to get some experience. But, um, no, nah, yeah, we're all up in the air at the moment. Well, mate, um, you look after yourself. You keep those arms and elbows and high hits in check because we need you back out there. You're suspended for a couple. The Waratahs take on the Rebels tomorrow night. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for the chat. Cheers, bro. Thank you. Trevor Hosea from the Melbourne Rebels. Now, you can watch your Melbourne Rebels tomorrow night on 9GEM or Stan Sport, and you can join the Aussie Made Club to win authentic Australian football jumpers. Did I see Tim Watson in the studio this morning with a magnificent-looking old-school Essendon jumper? Um, get involved in that. Join Aussie Made Club to win. Uh, let's get to the phones. Yeah, I think we've got time. In fact, should we get to the phones, Benny? What do you reckon? Is Frank there? We've got Frank ready to go. Mm, yes, Frank, hello? No, we don't have Frank. What we might do, we might play over and under right now. So I've been waiting to do this. Johnny's ready to go. Johnny, hit the button for over and under. It's time to play overs and unders with Kane Corns for Temper, a mattress like no other. Johnny will read a statement. We'll decide whether it's over and under. Let's hear the first one. That's the only thing you can read into trading out big eight. That we're there. We're, there. We're, we're right to go. And they're miles from it. So as soon as you confuse your strategies, you go backwards. 
Beware of the teams that bounce back after getting smashed by the media all week. Carlton will beat Brisbane by one point on Saturday. Over or under? Oh, guest voices. I love it. I love Johnny, but I enjoy guest voices. Thank you to Bob. Oh, this is going to be close. I don't have a lot of faith in Carlton, as you know. I've spoken about it for two hours. But I think they're going to go really close and fall agonisingly short. I think it's going to be under a one-point win. They'll lose, but they'll be right in it until the last five minutes. Number two, Bob. All four knocked down by oh, English. Gathered by Oliver, who snaps the goal. Clayton Oliver leads the AFL in contested possessions with 82. Put him down for 18 against Richmond. Over yeah. or under? Uh, over. Um, I said on Monday with Gary and Tim, I haven't given him the credit he deserves, Clayton Oliver, for the season that he's having more than capable of winning a Brownlow medal um, this year with the votes that he'll get. 82 contested possession is the best in the comp by a mile, and I think Melbourne's midfield can take it up to Richmond. So 18 contested possessions. I'm going to go over. It's going to be a big night for Clayton Oliver tomorrow night. Number three. Three weeks has passed and he still hasn't signed and there doesn't seem to be any more um, solid evidence that he's going to re-sign tomorrow. I spoke to his management today and they offered a very abrupt no comment, which was intriguing of itself. I think the next four weeks is, is huge for the Carlton Football Club, not, not just for Paddy Cripps and where they see him, but for where Cripps sees the club going. Carlton captain Patrick Cripps was supposed to have signed a contract extension by now. Mm. <laughs> I just lost him. I don't know where he went, Bob. The, the, it was going to be, will he wait until the end of the year over and under? I think he gets it done at the Blues before the end of the season, but certainly dragging out a lot longer than what we were led to believe it would. I think he'll sign by round 15. It's going to be an agonising couple of weeks for the Blues fans, though. What's number four, Bob? Goes for the toes. He's there with a cramped up. And there's the siren. The biggest upset in 2021. And we've only had four games. Yeah, that's so. You called it beautifully, Kimbo. That is the biggest upset you'll ever see. The Crows, not only were they good, they were tough. They had no one on the bench. They had no one on the bench. They're celebrating like they've won a final here. Kane, before the start of the year, you tipped the Crows to win just five games. They've been impressive to start this year. I'm changing that to nine wins. Do you agree? Over or under? I disagree with nine. It's going to be somewhere between five and nine. I think it lands at seven. So I perhaps underestimated them, but this is massive for the Crows, this Hawthorne game. It gets a lot tougher after that. There's the Giants, there's Melbourne, there's Port Adelaide, there's Richmond. They haven't played anyone yet. They haven't beaten anyone. I think they win seven for the year. So I'll go over, and my five wasn't enough. What's the last one? Oh, the ground-level Bontempelli <laughs> snaps it over his right shoulder. My colleague is laughing because he made something eminently difficult look so ridiculously easy. Marcus Bontempelli is the greatest Western Bulldogs player ever. Over or under? I asked Nathan Brown this on the Sunday football show on Sunday. I said 150 games, there's three or four All-Australians and best and fairest each. By the time he finishes, I think he is the greatest uh, premiership, provided things go along the way that they are going. Some terrific players, of course, the Western Bulldogs, Grant, West, Witten, and these types. But I think by the end of it, Marcus Bontepelli will be the best, but not yet. So I'm going to go under. What a career he's building 
the Western Bulldogs skipper. That was over and under. On the other side of this, we are going to play the quiz. Last person standing for the quiz. Line up now, 1300 736 736. Chad's Brothers quiz. The topic is AFL fights. And we've got some great prizes to give away thanks to our good friends at Underworks. That number is 1-300-736-736 for the quiz next. In the meantime, for the last time this morning on the Captain's Run ever, well, hopefully not, but Meredith Gibbs is going to give us the all-important 11.30 news headlines. Here's Gibbsy. <laughs> CN, the Captain's Run with Cane Corns. Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. That it is, and the prize by All Day Socks by Underworks. They pass every test. You can pick up a pair and test them for yourself. The theme is AFL Fights. This is on the back of the Bulldogs and the Giants, hopefully punching on tonight. Uh, Sam is on the road. He's going to have first crack. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the quiz. How you going, Kane? This is a tough one to start. Um, how much was Barry Hall fined when he put uh, North Melbourne Scott Thompson in a headlock? It was somewhere between one and fifteen thousand dollars. Um, I'll go twelve thousand. It was less than twelve thousand. Andrew, welcome to you. How you going? How much was Barry Hall fined for the Scott Thompson headlock? Oh, let's make it a nice round, 10 grand. It was less than 10 grand, uh, Andrew. Let's go to, I'm assuming it's Mark. Uh, hi, Mark. How you going? How much was Barry Hall hi. fined when he put Scott Thompson in a headlock? It was less than 10? It was more than one. Um, uh, four grand. Yes, it was four grand. Lord, well I'm mate. We are up and running on the quiz. In last year's game between GWS and the Dogs, which player kicked a goal after the halftime siren and then ignited another brawl? Western Bulldogs player kicked a goal on half time and then they punched on again. Um, I guess and just say Dale. Wasn't uh, so. Let's go to Liam. Hi, Liam. G'day, mate. Last I'd year's game was memorable. Who was it? It wasn't Bonsampelli. He was involved in a number of scuffles because they came after him, but he didn't start this one on half time. Good guess, though. Anthony, you want to have a stab? Hey, Kano, was it uh, Libba? Was Libba. Libba, Libba. He's always in the thick of things. Uh, question number three. Three more for the win. Which player was flattened by Chance, Chance Bateman that started the big Hawthorne-Essendon brawl in the line in the sand game? Which player did Chance Bateman clean up that started that fight, the line in the sand game between the Hawks and the Bombers? Oh, jeez. Um, Merritt? No, not sure Merritt was playing on that day. Sort of a, a bit of a speedy sort of forward line player, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Kane. How well do you know your um, old school Essendon players? Yeah, not so well. Speedy uh, sort of half forward. Say again? No, nah, wasn't, wasn't Gary Moorcroft, I think he said. He may have been retired by that stage. Uh, let's go to Mick. Mick, who do you support? 
Collingwood came. Okay, that's not going to help you. Which player was flattened no, by Bateman? Uh, Jason Johnson. <sighs> Thought you had it for a second there. There's a little hint for you. James. G'day, James. James is gone, says Johnny. Let's go to Hillside and speak to Daniel. Hi, Daniel. How you going? There was that massive fight, um, the line in the sand game, and Essendon player got crunched by Bateman. It started a brawl. Who was it? Oh, it was Windley. It was Jason Windley. Good. Good player when he was up and going, Jason Windley. I thought he, yeah, probably could have played a few more games. Uh, which team has had the most games missed due to suspension since 2010? Oh, um, any, is it an interstate team? No. Ah, uh, okay, um, we'll go, um, Bulldogs. Not the Western Bulldogs, not a bad guess. Uh, Alex, he's here for the quiz. Two questions left for the win. Which teams had the most games missed due to suspension since 2010, Alex? Rio. I said it wasn't an interstate team, so that must mean they're in Victoria, and it's not the Western Bulldogs. There's nine left. Let's go to Pat in Brisbane. Hi, Pat. Hey, Kane. How you doing? Good. Um, I'm going to go with Geelong. And you would be correct in saying that. All, all the successful teams that have won a lot of premierships seem to be up the top of this uh, ladder. Make of that what you will. How many games did Alistair Lynch receive for his scrap was more than a scrap for his haymakers that he chucked Darrell Wakeland's way in the 2004 Grand Final. Um, I'm going to go. I'm a, ma- I'm a massive Lions supporter. Yeah. Oh, it was against your... It was. From the, it was at 10. That was very... That was great stuff. That was clinical. That was a clinical display, Pat, in Brisbane. Well done to you. I'll put you back to Benny, the producer. He'll sort you out with a couple of prizes because that was a a nice display by you. Um, Finally got there. Bit of a tougher quiz. Uh, All day socks by Underworks pass every test. You can pick up a pair and test them for yourselves. Uh, We've taken a lot of your calls this morning, a lot of your texts. We're going to get to Port Adelaide Best and Ferris winner Darcy Byrne-Jones as well. We'll do that shortly. Port Adelaide huge game against the Saints on Sunday night on Anzac Day. Had a few other things I wanted to speak about this morning. What? What? Let me let me go to my notes. Oh, what about the story that I read on Three W's media? Sorry, their Twitter account this morning that said, "No longer are some teams going to be rewarding kids with sort of junk food and Macca's vouchers and things like that after a game of footy. They're going to give them healthier options. For example, discount swimming lessons." Instead of getting the old Macca's Hungry Jacks vouchers after the kids play junior sport, what 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 sort of world are we living in? I, I was coached by Jeff Blethen in uh, Glenelg Primary School. Jeff Blethen, famous footballing name, of course. And every training session, he'd hand out Redskins. How good are Redskins? Redskins and Milkos. And it's one of my great childhood memories. If you did something well, he's a Redskin young fella. He's bring a couple of packets. It was terrific. And I turned out okay, didn't I? Now now we have gone this far. We are not giving our kids Macca's vouchers and Hungry Jack's vouchers or whatever. Macca's, I think we prefer on this station. Magnificent barista made coffee, of course. Macca's vouchers will go with. What is the world turning to? Do you have an issue with your kids being handed Macca's vouchers after their games? Surely 
Surely not. Uh, the world has gone mad. Are we going to sneak in Alex? No, we're not. He's gone. Uh, you can have your say on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can send us a text for a mattress like no other. That is temper 0433 The other big story of the week was the new president of the Collingwood Footy Club. Let's have a listen to what he had to say during the week. Uh, I think everybody's passionate about, about their club, right? And if, you know, if any member... You know, wants to be on the board, they can go through the process or anything like that. If they want to help, we're, we're, we're more than happy to do that. But I think it would be, you know, untrue to suggest that a club is anything but in a strong health and a bit disrespectful to, you know, what Eddie and the board, and particularly Eddie, has done over many, many years. We, you know, we're in good shape. You know, we'd like to win a few more games, but, you know, that will come. So everything's changing all the time. Um, you know, can we always do things better yet? But we actually have a great, great club. We have great people, great financial strength of 80,000 passionate members. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a brief summary. Mark Corder, the new president of the Collingwood Footy Club, he also gave us an update on the out-of-contract coach, Nathan Buckley. As we said and Nathan said, that contract's up and we'll do whatever's in the best interest of the Collingwood Football Club. But Nathan's the coach now and those discussions will continue with the CEO and Graham Wright and, you know, whatever's in the best interest of the Collingwood Football Club will transpire. Yeah, it's going to be a watch this space. Doesn't sound like this issue's going away. He's the president, but a few unhappy people about this and, and going back to a, to a guy who's been on the board for a long time through all of... The issues that one will play out. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Kids getting swimming vouchers instead of Macca's vouchers is interesting. You can have your say on that. Darcy Byrne Jones will join us next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.